Historically and today, our country has been overrun by those with money and power, giving little voice to the everyday American. We're here to change that. Welcome to All Rise, the Libertarian Way with retired Judge Jim Gray. Each week, our program addresses the problems we are facing in our country, as well as thought-provoking and effective libertarian solutions. This could change the way you see opportunities in your life and your children's lives as well. Now, here is Judge Jim Gray. Hello and welcome wherever you are in our great country or around the world. This is Judge Jim Gray on the Voice America Variety Channel, and I'm always happy, even excited to be with you for another edition of our All Rise, the Libertarian Way with Judge Jim Gray. And as you will discover by spending this hour with us each Friday morning, as you heard, starts 10 o'clock Eastern or 7 o'clock Pacific, or it's stored hereafter, we will be taking on issues of our day, things that will make our world a better place, and will adopt libertarian values, which are certainly financial responsibility, responsibility of our actions, and that's kind of what we're getting into today. We're going to be talking about dispute resolution talk about all kinds of different approaches, try to mentor our youth to they also try to resolve disputes amongst them. And there's some tips, some excitement that we can do. We'll get into in this program, uh, both today and in future times, kind of an in-depth analysis showing how we can apply those approaches to, so that we can all rise together. Frequently, that will be at the expense of many powerful and, and uh, established special interests. Today, our special guest is Judge Frank Firmat. That's F-I-R-M-A-T. He is a wonderful man, experienced, my friend. He's been my colleague for a long time on the bench here in Orange County Superior Court in uh, California uh, and is now doing private judging, private, private resolution. For me, judging was a calling. You know, it enables us to do the right thing for the right reason pretty much every time. And what a wonderful opportunity to be in. Also, I found uh, fairly quickly that judges are almost the ultimate social workers in our society. On all calendars, maybe except civil, but we can help people resolve their disputes. And if you get into this, words mean something. Distinction between words means something. And we think in words, so if you do not understand the distinction between two separate words, for example, you'd understand the concept. As as the flaming example there, uh, it's my understanding that there are more dialects in the world's languages that do not draw the distinction between the word enemy and the word stranger. Well, pencil that out. If I were to somehow stumble out of the wilderness and into your small town and you did not understand that distinction, automatically I'd be your enemy. And imagine how much needless violence has occurred in the world because of that problem or certainly some lost opportunities. So drawing distinction between words is important. Get into uh, others, the difference between solve and resolve. And I tell people in, in the legal profession or elsewhere, or even in my mediations, which is trying to resolve people's disputes, there's no solution for most human disputes, most human problems. As an example, and I mentioned this on an earlier broadcast, if someone were to go through a red light and run into your car and break your leg, uh, the solution would be not to have had your leg broken, not to have gone through the discomfort, the, uh, the pain, the lost opportunities. We can't do that. All we can do is resolve that case, which basically means we'll pick you up, dust you off, aim you in the right direction, probably have some form of adjustment monetarily, and get on with your life. Well, that's what we can do in trying to resolve disputes. And I know that Judge Fermat's going to have his own examples, but I look back over my career, and probably the most gratifying thing that I ever did on the bench was I was able to help resolve the first Catholic priest child, child sexual molestation case in the country. And we were able to do that by getting the parties, and they were all Catholic, both the plaintiff uh, as well as his attorneys and the Catholic Church that had a bishop there, and their attorneys were all Catholic. And I had the plaintiff go into my jury room and said, look, 
what can we do to change this system in the Catholic Church to try to keep this from happening again or to minimize substantially how that would go? So they did. They went into the jury room and about an hour later they came back and they had 10 suggestions. And then I had the defendants who were representing the Orange County Diocese as well as the Los Angeles Diocese and I said, please take these 10 suggestions, go into my jury room and come back and give me a comment about them. An hour later they came back and they said, Your Honor, we've adopted all 10 and we've added one. And so at that point, we had a vested interest in trying to resolve this dispute because I told the plaintiff and they all cared, look, you can go to trial, maybe you can get some more money, but you'll never be able to make these institutional changes at going to trial as we can voluntarily in our dispute resolution mediation session. So I actually, they agreed on these, putting in an 800 number, for example, any anyone that was felt they were, he or she was a victim, call the 800 number and you would have people there to assist you. Uh, required any diocese, regardless of the, the strength of the allegation, if there was any allegation that anyone was involved sexually inappropriately, call the police. That way you can't sweep it under the rug. You know, different things like that. So I mentioned a number, they agreed on the number, and, and they settled the case. I remember, and I get, I expect Judge Fermat will be able to match these as well, but one time I had a case in which there were two brothers suing each other, and that's a disaster. You know, the, the family issues, obviously, litigation does not bring warm and fuzzy feelings among people, but with family members, that's even worse. So after a while in talking, and what you do is you listen. And in fact, it's amazing the word silent and the word listen has the same same letters in it. And so it just happens to be that way. And I also employ a technique that I recommend to you. I learned this from a child counselor when my daughter was growing up and we went to some child counseling and he said, Jim, put yourself in the ozone. And I looked at him like, what do you mean? And he said, no, your response is, oh, 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 you know, it's responsive. You're with them, but it's also noncommittal. And I've used that a lot in my settlement conferences. People want to be heard. They want to be understood. They want to be recognized. And they also want to get along. And if you just listen to it, you can use this with children. You can use this with disputes. Put yourself in the ozone. You'll connect with them and the rest. And after you do that and they know you're listening, then you can just ask questions. Well, had you thought about how this was perceived by the other side, etc.? You want to stay away from what I call poisonous words. I expect Judge Fermat will agree, but if you're having two people that are in a dispute and they say, oh, you're a liar, oh, you're a cheat, you know, you're a scumbag, that sort of thing, it's calculated to push people farther away from a resolution than they would be otherwise. So I have Judge Frank Fermat as our guest today on this segment of All Rise, where the idea is if we employ these kind of libertarian, responsible values and approaches, we will all rise together. And he comes from, he was emigrated from Cuba at a fairly young age. I'm going to ask him about that to begin with. But Frank, welcome to the program, or Judge Fermat, as you will. And uh, thank you for being with us here today on this segment of All Rise. Well, delighted to be here. Um, I have an interesting background. I came to this country at uh, the age of 11. Uh, at that time, uh, Castro had sent his son to the Soviet Union to come back uh, to Cuba as an indoctrinated in communism, brainwashed technocrat. And so the word got around Cuba that uh, Castro was going to be doing the same thing with a lot of other uh, kids, sending them to the Soviet Union. And he said that uh, the children belong to the fatherland, not to their oh. parents. Wow. And so a number of parents were so afraid that about 14,000 children were sent to the United States under a clandestine program with the full cooperation of the State Department. And um, we stayed in the Catholic orphanages. The uh, name of the program, not just Catholic orphanages, but also uh, the Jewish social services, Lutheran social services. There's a number of social services that housed and cared for the, the children. And uh, the program was called the um, Pedro Pan program, the Peter Pan program, because we would go up in the air and then um, end up in this wonderful land, the United States. 
Wow. And um, I was one of the fortunate ones. My parents were able to get out of Cuba about four and a half months later. So I, uh, I learned English in a Catholic orphanage in Denver, Colorado. <laughs> Did you? You know, Frank, you mentioned this. Uh, I remember this guy who was a black radical, uh, Eldridge Cleaver. You may remember him or not. It was a number of years ago, but he was being charged federally with certain offenses, and he escaped to Cuba, you know, that, that motherland of virtue and socialism. And it didn't take too long, but he voluntarily came back to the United States to face these criminal charges, just getting away from the approach in, in Cuba. And I think you would probably agree that that was probably a good choice, and we're glad you're with us. I'm definitely glad to be here. This is uh, this is a great country. Uh, the immigrant comes in, and uh, the immigrant is typically is hungrier than anybody else around because they they arrive in this country with nothing or next to nothing, and uh, they work hard, uh, really, really hard to try to get ahead. Um, I mean, uh, when I was 16 years old in high school, um, I had a a job at a restaurant uh, started at 6 o'clock in the morning. I worked from uh, 6 to 8.30, and then I walked two blocks away to high school. And then uh, after high school, at about 2.30 in the afternoon, I worked until 5 o'clock in the afternoon. And then I went home to do my homework, and then I worked Saturdays and Sundays. And the immigrant uh, works hard, and this country gives opportunity. And so I had the opportunity to get a good education, um, become a lawyer, and uh, become a judicial officer for 27 years in Orange County. Well, and we're blessed because of it. You are you are a success story in the American dream, Judge Fermat. And, and uh, I, I'm fairly close to the Vietnamese community now because I adopted a son from Vietnam a long time ago. He's about 46 years old now. But they are the epitome as well of pursuing the American dream. They come here. They roll up their sleeves. They work hard. They get involved in education. And, and that's just what happens. And we're a nation of immigrants, and we're stronger because of it and the rest. Uh, before we get into our dispute resolution attitude, though, uh, what is your view with regard to what the governmental relationship should be between our government and Cuba? Because it's going back and forth. Uh, I'll tell you openly, I think that we should normalize all relations with, uh, with Cuba and that the reason why <laughs> Castro was able so long to stay in power, because he could always blame the Yankees, the United States, for everything that went wrong. To some degree, he was right, but mostly he was not. How do you think our government should address and deal with Cuba right now, sir? Well, our our dispute with Cuba has to do with um, communism and our uh, attitude towards communism at the t at about the times of the uh, Iron Curtain and uh, the Russians and but then the Iron Curtain fell and the Soviet Empire broke apart and we started trading with uh, with uh, China, we started trading with Vietnam, and uh, we trade with Russia. And so uh, it really makes no sense not to trade with Cuba. That's, that's part one. Uh, part two is the, the way to uh, get Cuba to change is for them to get to know us and who we are. It's really easy for Castro to say that we are the, uh, the foreign devils and... Uh, uh, but then once they meet the American tourists, once they uh, sample the iPhones, they realize that there are things in our culture that uh, they want, uh, especially things like freedom and information and free speech. And when they, once they taste those things, they will want change. And I think that the best way to bring change in Cuba is not by building up walls, but rather by building bridges. Yeah, sure. And, and uh, I was in Cuba and found that, of course, with the fall of the Soviet Union, uh, they had subsidized Cuba for a long time. But with the fall of the Soviet Union, that subsidy stopped. So they, by necessity, went in large ways to the capitalistic system uh, to be able to do that. And uh, it's, it's working. We need to normalize those relationships. Well, we're a little bit off the track, but not really. Talking about 
dispute resolution. We're going to come back after in the next segment after this word and getting tips from Judge Frank Fermat as to how he helps bring people together, resolve their disputes, and move on. There's a lot to talk about. It's a gratifying experience. And we'll also talk about how we can mentor our young people high school, junior high school kids even, to adopt some of these approaches. I'm, I'm anxious to hear what Frank does because I know he's successful at it. It's a gratifying thing to do, and we'll hear about that and unleash the secrets after we come back after this message. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The Libertarian Party is the third largest political party in the United States, and it's more successful than ever. We don't just talk the talk of individual liberty and free markets. We also walk the walk. Libertarian Party candidates are getting elected to office across the United States, and we are making a difference. The Libertarian Party is also the only third party that routinely has ballot access in every state. Our achievements and influence grow every year, and you can be part of that success. You can register as a Libertarian Party voter in your state to help us achieve easier ballot access. You can also visit LP.org today to become a member of the Libertarian Party, no matter which party you register with. Join the Libertarian Party today at lp.org. Together, we can move mountains. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for the keywords voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for voice America. You are listening to All Rise, The Libertarian Way with retired Judge Jim Gray. To find out more about Judge Gray, visit JudgeJimGray.com. That's JudgeJimGray.com. Now, back to All Rise. Well, welcome back. This is Judge Jim Gray on All Rise, and the theme of this is if we employ libertarian values, libertarian approaches of responsibility of all things, an amazing thing in today's world, we will all rise together. That uh, I've mentioned this before. I'll probably mention it on almost every segment that although not one of my favorite people in the world socially, because he is probably anti-Semitic, Henry Ford said things we should listen to, which are anyone that feels they can rely on the government should talk to the American Indian. You know, we need to be responsible for our behavior. Libertarian programs do that. Enforce our contracts, enforce our rules, and keep people from hitting each other and and taking our stuff. And so if that happens... The best thing we can do is help people resolve their disputes as promptly as possible. Yeah, it's a lot better not to get into the, into the problems, but if they are, help them resolve them. So I am now in the private judging business, although I tried to settle my own cases when I was on the bench for 25 years as well. But I found that you know when you bring people together, uh, set them down, usually apart from each other. I don't bring the, the folks in together unless there's a really good reason to, and then just explain to them. Again, we've talked about resolution instead of solution, and that helps. Also tell them that, look, what actually happened in your case is irrelevant. doesn't make any difference at all. They look at me like, what are you talking about? Then you tell them further, the only thing that matters is what can be proved to have happened, and that's not necessarily the same thing. That if you have people that are in a dispute, I can tell you, there's probably a lot of oral communications. And I can tell you exactly what you said and the tone of voice you used and who was present and what the oppo- your, your opposing party said, and that's whatever the jury says you said. And whether that's actually true or not, of course, is irrelevant, but it's the only way we can do business. So that helps people, in effect, take a, a more intentional view toward their situation. You know, also, and people should be able to do this a lot. 
it's my position as a mediator or even as your attorney to try to help you make a business decision. Business decision means that you try to maximize your benefits, reduce your problem areas, kind of come to a compromise and get on with your life. Now, you have every reason to go to trial if you want based upon things more emotional that is, you know, I want vindication. I want the jury to look at my opponent and said, you, you did him wrong. You, you, you are the person that should be punished for this. And I want it to be a headline in the Los Angeles Times. Well, you know, there's some risks with that. You have every right to go to trial for those emotional reasons, but things can rebound against you as well. And candidly, I don't think the Los Angeles Times is going to care. But if you want to do that, fine. But it's our job to tell you that's not a business decision. It's more emotional. We can put a number. We can usually put an amount of money on a business decision. We can't do that with regard to other things. So when I'm with you, I will focus on your vulnerabilities. And you certainly have some, just like everyone else does. But up when I'm with your opposing counsel, opposing party, I'll focus on their dis- their difficulties. So I am almost literally in the dissatisfaction distribution business, but tomorrow you'll like me better when we finally resolve your case. So these are kind of how I begin my discussions with people. You know, I'm here to help. We're here to try to resolve the case. Uh, and it's, if you want to hit a home run in a resolution, that isn't going to happen because it's voluntary. The other side will not agree to your hitting a home run, to use that baseball analogy. You'll give up that right, but you'll also give up your right to strike out because you won't agree to that. So you want to hit a good, solid ground rule double, put this behind you. That's what we'll be talking about today. Judge Fermat, uh, do you play baseball? Do you use those baseball analogies? Or how do you begin discussions among people that are involved in litigation in order to try to bring them closer together toward a resolution? First of all, welcome again. Thank you for coming and pursuing the American dream from Cuba. And again, as a judge, very, very highly respected judge. How do you help people get into a frame of mind to help them resolve their disputes? I don't use baseball at all. My knees are not what they used to be. Uh, but I do uh, start uh, my, um, my um, mediations by explaining what conflict is. You know, conflict is normal. Conflict started with Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, Joseph and his brothers, I had an argument with my wife three nights ago. Uh, and if you have breath, you have conflict. Now, what we all need to do is how to resolve conflicts. Uh, some people, when they get angry, they uh, take a deep breath, take three deep breaths or count to ten. Uh, they figure out ways to resolve conflicts. One good way to resolve conflict is... Uh, if you see that the other person has had a really hard day, is really upset, you know, don't don't pursue the argument at that point. Uh, instead, come back when things are a little calmer, when, when the temperature has gone down. Um, I, I explain to people that uh, we have, in some ways, the best system of justice in the world. You're going to get a non-corrupt judge that you can't buy for money, and you're going to get a non-corrupt jury of 12 people who are going to make the decision on the case, and you get to pick the 12 people on your case. You get to pick your jury. But our system of justice is a crummy system of justice in the sense that it takes too long. Uh, When you have a dispute, a conflict with a neighbor, or you had an auto accident and you need compensation, you need it resolved in a few months, maybe six months, nine months at the most. And it takes years to get to trial. And the other problem with our uh, justice system is it's just too expensive. I've handled too many cases where what we had an issue was, at issue was, uh, oh, let's say a real estate dispute. And what was at issue was somewhere between fifty dollars and $100,000. And if they were going to take the case all the way to trial, it was going to cost them in excess of $100,000 in attorney fees and costs, each side, each side, to get to the end. And so, in, in that sense, our justice system is flawed. And because of that, we have now, uh, in this country, a uh, very vigorous uh, system of mediation, of dispute resolution, um, alternative dispute resolution, ADR, uh, it's called. 
and um, retired judges like myself and like uh, Judge Gray are uh, are hired to help people resolve their cases early and so that people can sleep better at night uh, by having the cases resolved early, uh, can solve their financial problems by having the cases resolved early, and not have to pay the attorney fees and costs that a two-year litigation would uh, would uh, cause. And I usually start my, my uh, mediations with an explanation, something like that. Well, Frank, I've found, too, that if if you have a company, maybe a, a, a corporate officer that made the decision that resulted in this litigation, and that same decision maker is here in your mediation, uh, you will be totally unsuccessful in resolving it unless you're able to show, at least to that person's point of view, that look, you didn't make a mistake, even though that led to this litigation, but anyone with the limited information they had at that time, like you had, sir, would have probably done the same thing. But if you can't get them that out, you know, that psychological, oh, it wasn't my fault, what's going to happen is, oh, I'm going to take this to trial that that uh, I'm never going to admit that it was my fault. And then if you lose the case, you can always blame that stupid judge or the stupid jury or even your own stupid attorney. It's never my fault. But if you can give them that psychological out, then you will have a good chance of resolving it. If you don't, you don't have a chance. Uh, have you found that to be true, too? Yes, I, I agree 100%. Uh, I think that the people have to preserve their dignity. And if you don't allow people to preserve their dignity, uh, they'll fight you all the way to the end. Uh, and I try to explain to people that uh, uh, getting to the end of the litigation, getting a jury or a judge to say you win or you lose, you don't really win. The person who wins doesn't win. There's a famous quote by... Uh, Victor Hugo, who wrote uh, Le Miserable, he said, I've been ruined twice in my life. Once when I lost a lawsuit, the other time when I won a lawsuit. Uh, Because it's expensive, because of the wear and tear. I mean, if uh, I have spoken with thousands of people in litigation, and what comes out very clearly is, Everybody's gathered together uh, to celebrate Fourth of July barbecue, and where everybody's enjoying themselves. This person who's involved in litigation, where's their mind? Their mind is thinking about the case. They're not enjoying this time together. And whether it's Christmas, Hanukkah, anniversary, birthday, um, others are enjoying the get-togethers. And and what are you doing? You're thinking. You're worrying about that case. And the night before a deposition. The party didn't sleep well. The night before uh, a mediation, the party didn't sleep well. The nights before trial, the party didn't sleep well. There's a wear and tear, psychological wear and tear that uh, litigation has. Uh, that plus the costs, the uncertainties, the inabilities to plan, uh, it, it really points to we need conflict resolution as early as possible, as inexpensively as possible. Well, certainly so, and I use the idea that it's really hard to unspend money also. Uh, you know, it, it is expensive to go through this process. Uh, you need some information first, but a lot of the time the people already have the information. And again, like you say, Judge Fermat, it is an emotional experience. Uh, gosh, just having the attack and, and uh, they'll get into a lot of personal things. Uh, you won't get that satisfaction out of uh, even winning, like you say. Uh, it isn't nearly what you think it would have been. There's a lot more satisfaction out of being able to resolve your dispute, uh, end up with, in, in California, we have what we call a Section 1542 release, which means that it, you're going to treat each other as if you'd never had anything to do with each other whatsoever, that any claim you may have against me, known or unknown, will be gone. Any claim that I may have against you, whether known or unknown, might be gone. It's just a refreshing psychological thing to be able to get on with your life. And you mentioned the word dignity. Oh, that's certainly true. 
I've also found, <laughs> and it's funny, it, it's, uh, I've written a book on, uh, on judging. You, uh, I think Frank knows it, but it's the only how-to book for judges I'm aware of. It's called Wearing the Robe, The Art and Responsibility of Judging in Today's Courts. And uh, it's on, it's on in, in Amazon, but we have a chapter on, on settlements. And uh, one of the things that I mentioned there, and Frank, I don't know if you've looked into this or not, there's a psychology of numbers. For example, the settlement figure. If I look at a defendant and say, defendant, would you settle this case for $70,000? Oh, no, no, that's much too much. No, I'll go to trial. We'll, we'll go to the bitter end. Okay, defendant, would you settle this case for $68,750? Sure. You know, $68,750 is, is, sounds so much less egregious than 70000 You know, if you put it to 199 people kind of realize that. But most plaintiffs realize, okay, $68,750 is it's just $1,225 less than, than $70,000. That's no problem. But there is that psychology, that kind of emotional aspect. So when I suggest numbers for settlement, I almost always make it just below some some more emotional number. Do you, do you ever uh, use that sort of evil psychology also, Judge Fermat? Well, I wouldn't call it evil psychology. Okay. I think we learned it from the grocery stores and the, and, uh, the uh, um, retail stores. Uh, things sell for better for $9.99 rather <laughs> than $10 for $19.99 rather than $10. And when they try to sell you a car, they'll try to sell you a car for twenty three nine ninety nine, not for twenty four thousand dollars. So um, we're just doing what everybody else is doing because it simply makes sense. It seems better. It looks better. The uh, uh, half full glass looks better than the half empty glass. It's hard to believe that the psychology makes a difference in this world, but you're certainly right. And, and to let people know. I will have family disputes and I'll say, you know, money is secondary, but the, the disruption of the family members, that's important stuff. And it's my goal to hope that you will spend Thanksgiving dinner together next Thanksgiving. We may make it, we may not, but if we can resolve this lawsuit within 15% of fair, and that's something I use with some frequency, within 15% of fair, we will have done everyone a service. Uh, I also felt, Frank, when I was back in the dark ages practicing law, that I'd know that there was an area, a zone of settlement. And I would always try, of course, to settle the case in the area most favorable within that zone to my client. But one thing I used, and I haven't heard too many people use, but I used it, I think, effectively was if I would be talking with the other attorney and his or her client, I would first thing go through the deficiencies, the defects, the problem areas that my client had. You know, we have this problem or we have that difficulty and well, that witness may be a little bit shaky and the rest. And that would give me a fair amount of credibility when I would then talk with them and outline their problems. But, uh, and so we could start looking at this from a realistic standpoint. You gain, need to have that credibility as a mediator and also as opposing counsel. You use something of that nature? Yeah, I, I, it, it's always uh, the most important item for any conflict resolution to have credibility with the other side. And if you lack credibility, with the other side, then the case is really not going to resolve. And that applies to the lawyers, and it also applies to the mediator. And uh, as a mediator, I always want to uh, communicate to the parties that uh, I am trying to help them disengage from an unpleasant experience in their lives. Uh, the person who filed the lawsuit, the plaintiff, files it because he or she feels that they've been hurt, damaged by the other person. The defendant who's being sued, now he or she is having to spend money on attorney fees, and they might think they did something wrong, but not that wrong, or they think that they did nothing wrong. So neither side of them wants to be involved in the litigation, and they really both want to disengage, if they can disengage, in a way that seems reasonable with dignity to both of them. And so our job as mediators uh, is to help find that spot uh, that they can disengage with, uh, with dignity. And um, um, I also point out to them, you know, 
don't go all the way to the end, all the way to trial and seek justice, because justice is harsh. Um, we don't know what kind of jurors we're going to get. Sometimes we find a very conservative group of jurors uh, who think that, uh, uh, you know, this plaintiff is asking for too much money, he's a whiner, everybody should be responsible for their own things, and then they give them either no money or a very stingy award. Yeah. And we've all seen that happen. We've all seen that happen. We're going to... We're going to come back after this segment, Frank, and, uh, and discuss mentoring of our children and how we can use these principles to help our young people take, take command of their lives. But we're, right now, we're going to go and hear a couple of really good words. We'll come back in just a few minutes. Take, we'll talk to you then. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The Libertarian Party is the third largest political party in the United States, and it's more successful than ever. We don't just talk the talk of individual liberty and free markets. We also walk the walk. Libertarian Party candidates are getting elected to office across the United States, and we are making a difference. The Libertarian Party is also the only third party that routinely has ballot access in every state. Our achievements and influence grow every year, and you can be part of that success. You can register as a Libertarian Party voter in your state to help us achieve easier ballot access. You can also visit lp.org today to become a member of the Libertarian Party, no matter which party you register with. Join the Libertarian Party today at lp.org. Together, we can move mountains. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for the keywords voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for voice America. You are listening to All Rise, the Libertarian Way with retired Judge Jim Gray. To find out more about Judge Gray, visit JudgeJimGray.com. That's JudgeJimGray.com. Now, back to All Rise. Well, welcome back to All Rise. And my guest today, this is Judge Jim Gray, and my guest is my longtime friend, respected colleague, Judge Francisco Fermat, uh, who is a fantastic and and very successful judge in in all ways. You know, before we leave the issue of litigation, uh, I'm asked a lot uh, as to how we can reduce frivolous lawsuits. So there's some laws, and of course life is complicated, and some laws are just abused. Someone's going to find a way of abusing the system. I think that the Americans with Disabilities Act is one of those where, of course, the intention was let's shave down those corners so the people in wheelchairs can travel instead of having to go up a curb, things like that. But it gets involved sometimes in the ridiculous. So what do you do? Well, today we have the American system which basically means that unless there's a contractual agreement or on occasion some statute that says the prevailing party will be able to get his, her, or its attorney's fees from the losing party, uh, you have to bear your own attorney's fees. So a lot of legal extortion comes up because of that. So some people feel that we should go to the English system, which requires in every occasion that the prevailing party get their attorney's fees from the the losing party. And, you know, that would be awfully intimidating. How would anyone ever sue uh, General Motors or or, uh, some big corporation because it could be just bankruptcy if you if you were to be unsuccessful. So I would propose a modified English system, and we'll see what, what Judge Fermat thinks about this, to provide discretion with a judge in each case to decide whether the attorney's fees should go to the prevailing party or not. I think that would reduce a lot of the frivolous lawsuits or the more speculative lawsuits. Frank, Judge Fermat, what do you think about that proposal? Uh, I think it would have to be uh, 
very carefully written. Um, I've seen cases in front of me that should have never been brought, and uh, they were brought maliciously by one side. And in those cases, certainly I wish I'd had the ability to award attorney fees. Um, however, it's something that uh, that needs to be, uh, it's, it's a law that needs to be written very, very carefully to make sure that there is consistency. Um, if, if it's not written carefully, then different judges will apply that, dis- that uh, discretion differently. And uh, one of the important elements of our system of law is the law should be predictable. The outcomes should be predictable. And if the outcomes are predictable, then there's, it is less likely that there's going to be litigation. It's less likely that there's going to be a dispute. So, yeah, I'd, I'd uh, favor a law like that, but really carefully written so that uh, the judges don't hurt people financially who should not be hurt and are fully able to grab the cases and, and hurt the parties who have brought the lawsuit maliciously and frivolously. Sure. Frank, you, you hit on something I think extremely important that I'm proud of our profession. Uh, yes, it could be less expensive. Yes, it could be less cumbersome. And some lawyers are better than others. But we do help people live their lives in the economy and in our enterprise and in our individual relations with each other. You know, if you do one thing, this is probably going to be the result. And it avoids lots of problems. Uh, you don't take six guns to the street. You know, we, we, we resolve our legal problems in a court of law, uh, like what you said. We have a lot of attorneys, most attorneys, Judge Fermat, as you know, never see a courtroom that they're giving information, they're giving recommendations and legal advice to people and in, tr- in order to try to keep them from going into court. That if you do this, this is the, that is the likely result, etc. So what can we do? Because we don't teach dispute resolution, in my understanding, uh, to our young people, <laughs> not our older types either, but what little hints can we give people? And one that I would say is, uh, look, I've never had to explain something that I didn't say. If you start getting upset, just be quiet. Don't say things that you will be sorry for later. Now, judges, I learned this in judges school, that uh, we have an ability that no one else really has. And that is, in the couple of times in my life as a judge, I started losing losing control, losing my temper. I could say, okay, we're in recess and walk off the bench. And, uh, of course, Attorneys can't do that, but it's a lot better than saying things that that you're just upset with. And then, you know, take 10 minutes, 10 minutes come back, people have calmed down, they all kind of mutually apologize, and we get on with it. Well, young people, if you start getting upset, don't say anything. Just, in effect, take a recess, come back and and talk, because... When you when you make comments when you're upset, that can cause some lasting damage with your relationships, and you can avoid problems. And certainly, if you're trying to resolve disputes, don't sit, don't talk when you get upset either. I never had to explain something I didn't say. Judge Fermat, do you think that would be a helpful rule and lesson to teach our young people in dispute resolution? Oh, I uh, I agree 100 percent. As a matter of fact, I had a plaque. Uh, right next to the door of my chambers, uh, just as I was leaving my chambers to go into the courtroom. And I looked at it every day before I went to the courtroom, and the plaque said, a closed mouth gathers no foot. (laughs) A closed mouth gathers no foot. And uh, indeed, I think that uh, uh, my job was more to listen than to speak. And every time that uh, I became angry, I, I went in chambers and I closed my eyes, and why am I so upset? Why am I so angry? And, you know, there's a great value to anger. Uh, Anger is very important. I'm a man of prayer, and I think that's one of the greatest gifts that God gave us, the ability to be angry. Because anger tells me this is not fair, this is not right, this is not just. If a person was not able to be angry, um, that person would be a milk toast. That person would not be able to know what's wrong in his, his or her life in our society. The mistake is when we let the anger become rage and then become a homicidal rage or a violent rage. And so anger teaches us, but anger should not control us. And so, so there are some people who, who, uh, 
whose uh, personality runs hot and some people whose personality runs cool. Those people whose personality runs hot, they need to learn techniques. You know, do you count, do you count to 10? Uh, one that I have found is very, very useful is you put your one hand at your belly and you take 10 deep breaths. And when you do that, the, the temperature goes down by a whole lot and your ability to think clearly goes up by a whole lot. Uh, well, hear ye, hear ye. That's a phrase I love and don't use very often. But our, to our listeners, I think we heard three just timeless examples of good advice. And uh, one is, you know, Judge Fermat is correct, certainly. Anger is appropriate sometimes. In fact, I've heard the saying that if you don't get angry, you probably don't have a moral compass, that there's some things that deserve righteous indignation. But don't let that anger turn destructive into rage. And again, what was that plaque again? An open mouth gathers no foot. That was the second bit of wisdom. Oh. Uh, you're certainly <laughs> right. That's certainly right. And, uh, you know, we, we need to adopt those. Uh, it, it is appropriate to teach our children uh, to be quiet when they are when they're fuming. How do you do that? I've never heard this one before, but the third bit of wisdom, put your hand on your, on your stomach and breathe 10 times. Uh, you know, I've heard count to five or maybe count to 10, but breathing is a really good idea uh, in that regard. So I'm, I'm glad, that, Frank, you're on our show, if only for those three words of advice. Uh, that's, that's just great. Another, and, and I'm proud to say that our son, uh, age of 28, just got married about a month ago, and so he's on a journey. And what a wonderful thing marriage is, and it's a partnership, and it's a bonding, it's lots of things. But one piece of advice that I gave to them and would give to any newly married people, never go to sleep upset with your spouse. You know, don't go to sleep being mad at, at the appropriate time, not when you're still angry, but at the appropriate time, talk about it. You know, pillow talk is a good thing. Always, of course, never put your marriage at risk. Never say, you know, threaten to, to do away with the marriage. You're there. You're human. You're going to have problems. You know, sometimes you snore. I mean, that sort of thing. But you're together. You're one person. Never go to bed angry at each other. Uh, and I, I would strongly recommend that. Frank, do you have any more that we could pass along to newly married people or young people involving trying to have dispute resolution or ways to avoid the disputes in the first place? Um, I think that plaque, once again, is applicable. A closed mouth gathers no foot. There are things that uh, we can say to our spouses or our spouses can say to us that uh, are so hurtful that we remember them 5, 10, 20, 30, 40 years later. And uh, those things, uh, once they're said, uh, they can never be unsaid. Uh, I think it's very important to uh, uh, understand that the other party sometimes has a hard day. Um, I spoke once with a brilliant, brilliant psychologist who worked with uh, uh, high-conflict marriages and high-conflict divorces, and uh, they kept coming back to court with disputes over their children. And so what he would do is he would give them some skills so that they could learn how to deal with one another. And the most brilliant skill uh, was so simple. And it was a 75-word contract that they would both sign, and they would keep a copy, and they would put it uh, with a magnet on the refrigerator door. And the contract said something like this. If ever we are in an argument and one of us notices that the temperature is getting so hot that hurtful words are starting to come out, either one of us can stop the dispute by saying the following word. And then they pick the word that they would never use in their vocabulary. Abracadabra, uh, aardvark, whatever the word is. When that word is said, the argument stops. The hurtful word stops. The person who used the word has the duty within 24 hours to restart the conversation, but at a moment when the temperature has gone down, at a moment when both sides have had the, the, the time to think it over. And when you have the time to think it over, you realize, you know, 
this other person here, I know she loves me. I love her. Um, what's going on? And after you think about it a little deeper, you realize uh, the solution to the problem. And then when you get together the next day to talk about it, it becomes just a five, ten-minute conversation. And often one person says to the other, gee, I'm sorry I got so uh, hot-headed yesterday. And Frank. that, to me, is, is, is the most brilliant piece of advice in terms of, of conflict resolution that I've ever heard. Frank, I totally agree with you. I'm now doubly proud and happy that you're on our show. I think that is some of the best advice I've ever heard with regard to disputes. And uh, I don't know where that 75 words could be found. Do you have any idea? Could you Google the term 75 words? Or, or do you know how our listeners could get a hold of that contract by any chance? Well, no, it's, it's, uh, it's really something you handwrite. And you, you put it in your own words. And okay. it basically says, if we ever get into a conversation that uh, the temperature uh, gets so high, we get so angry, our tempers start to flare, either one can stop the conversation by saying the following words. Whoever okay. says it has to reinitiate the conversation within 24 hours. And uh, it's 75 words, but put it in your own words with the magic word that ends the conversation there. And obviously, both of you have to honor that. If uh, the, what the other person says, aardvark, at that point, the conversation stops. And both of you cool off for 24 hours and think about it. Judge Frank Fermat, thank you for sharing this wisdom with us. You're, again, a very strong, caring, respected man of integrity. Thanks for sharing those. To, you know, to come back just on the wisdom that we have heard, you know, anger is normal. Don't let it turn into rage. Uh, put your hand on your stomach and breathe 10 times and your, things will change. Uh, your plaque, uh, my goodness, again, an open mouth gathers no foot. Uh, love it. So this is what we're trying to do here on All Rise, the Libertarian Way with Judge Gray. Is this libertarian? Yes, it is. This is something where we don't use government. We use education. We use a caring for each other, dealing not only with our family members, but with our, our members of society, with uh, our spouses, with other countries. You know, you deal with respect. Uh, they will treat you the same way. People want to get along. But it's, it's when they feel that they're threatened and or involved, people are involved in fear mongering, which we say all over the place. Fear mongering is going to bring people apart. And some some of our so-called leaders trade on that. So there you have it. You know, again, yes, life is complicated, but it can be made more straightforward and understandable and productive using these libertarian approaches for the benefit of us all. That's where we are. We are all Americans. Some have come from Cuba, some have come from Nepal, but we're open to free, full, and honest discussions, pulling together for the common good. And when we do this, again, the spirit is, we will all rise together. So I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Judge Fermat, for being with us. Thank you for, for sharing your wisdom and your, your beneficial thoughts. This is another exciting time. Tune in next Friday on All Rise, the Libertarian Way with Judge Jim Gray. We'll have another exciting guest. In the meantime, life is good. Talk to you then. Thanks for listening today. All Rise, the Libertarian Way with retired judge Jim Gray can be heard every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time and 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We know you'll want to join us again next week and tell your friends that help is on the way. Strengthen my thoughts that help us control.